like that. Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to like this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are ready for a fun, exciting, exuberant show today on this snowy edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Yes, a shit ton of snow has been plopped right down on our head tops yesterday morning, or yesterday evening, I guess you could say, and the cleanup this morning was a blast. But before we get into everything we're going to talk about today, let's make sure to go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure to follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. Show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search the Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And of course, make sure you follow and or subscribe to the Logan Blackman Show on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure to leave a rating out of five stars in the description down below on why you feel the way you do. And also, make sure to go and check out the LoganBlackmanShow.com. You can check out all our blog posts on the website. You can also check out links to all the different blog posts on all those aforementioned different forms of social media. <laughs> Jeez, that was a lot. But you can check it out on all those as well. But just go to the website as well. There's a lot of different links on there as well for your liking. And like I said before, we just got a bunch of snow dropped on our heads. This came out of freaking nowhere, man. This came out of absolutely no Christmas Day was like, what, 50 degrees? 45, 50 degrees? And now we are sitting here on January 9th the year of our Lord, 2024, and we get eight inches of snow? What? I don't have the exact measurements. I, I would imagine, I was reliably told we had eight inches of snow, but I did not go out there and check for myself. But there was a lot of snow regardless. There was a lot of snow regardless. And if you've listened to the show before, or you know me personally, you know that over the past however many years, I guess it's been a little bit since we've done it, but there was a time and place where my dad and I would go out and plow snow. When it snowed like this, my dad and I would be out on the streets. We'd be plowing snow. I'd be getting out in the out of the car, or out of the truck, rather. I'd be running the, either the snowblower or the shovel. It was a living hell. Absolute living hell. Thankfully, we don't do that anymore. But when you own property or, own di- or live in different places where snow, you got to take care of it. you got to take care of the snow. So I had to clear out the deck this morning. I had to clear off the sidewalks and everything. Couldn't get my driveway cleared off. My driveway's pretty decent size, and I did not have a snowblower, so my dad had to come by and save me with the snowblower later in the day, and he did not tell me he was over. He did not tell me. He just showed up. Now, I did. I, he asked me earlier in the day if he needed to bring it over. I was like, well, I'm not really planning on going anywhere, but, I mean, if you want to, you can bring it up today. Well, we can work on it tomorrow, because I think it's supposed to snow again Thursday, but I was expecting him once I said that, and then he was like, I'll probably come up because... You know, we're going to get some wind. It's, uh, things are going to get dusted over and stuff like that. I'll, I'll, I'll bring up the snowblower. I was like, okay, that works for me. But I was expecting him to tell me <laughs> when he was going to be here. He didn't tell me. He just showed up. And then I, I look out the window. Like, I hear the door wiggle a little bit. Because I guess he got an air filter. And he was going to set it inside, but the door was locked. Because, you know, I didn't know he was going to be there. So I'm not just going to leave the door unlocked all freaking day. So I hear the door handle jiggle. And I'm like... Okay, so he must be here now. I go outside. He's already done with the freaking driveway. <laughs> like, tell me. I'm not opposed to working in snow as much as I hate it, which if you've plowed snow in the middle of the night at like 3 o'clock in the morning, 
You have a newfound hatred for snow. I understand there's a lot of people out there that love snow. They love the snow walks and stuff like that. But snow sucks. I hate it. With every fiber of my being, I like looking out at it. If I don't need to deal with it, I'm perfectly fine with snow. Like right now, I'm looking out my back window right now. I'm looking at the snow on the ground. It has zero effect on me right now. But this morning, when you have to go out and shovel it, it's not the most fun in the world. When you're waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning, now I didn't do this today, but back in the day when you're waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning to go work till 3 p.m. in the afternoon, you get no sleep. <laughs> it kind of tests your mental toughness. Really does. It really does. Like, And there's nothing worse. The worst feeling other than you know waking up in the middle of the night to go shovel snow at all these different places, whether it's like Starbucks, Kinder Cares, all those different places, which sucks worse than that. Like the, the main thing that's the worst part about all of this is when you're shoveling the sidewalk and you hit that lip that's just slightly higher than all the other parts of the sidewalk, like yeah, the deck. I, I did that a couple times today, but I was fine. Like today was fine. I woke up at like, like I was outside at seven. That's perfectly fine. That is an okay time for me to get out and start shoveling snow. Three o'clock in the morning is not and even earlier than that. Sometimes going out at 11 o'clock at night and then going to 11 o'clock the next day. Like, that's not fun stuff to do. And when you hit that lip that's just slightly higher, like a half inch higher than the rest of the sidewalk, good Lord, you question every single thing you've done in your life up to that point that led you to this point, and you start trying to figure out why, God, why. <laughs> it's hell. That is my hell on earth. That is my hell on earth. Is shoveling snow early in the morning or late at night, whatever, and hitting the elevated lip in a sidewalk. That, and he jams your shoulder up. Oh, my God. And you throw the shovel down. You just got to look up at the sky. That's the only thing you can do at this point. But you're trying not to fall asleep anyways. And then that point, your shoulder's all jammed up. Now you're like, oh, my God. I just need to stop, man. Can we go home? <laughs> and then the next year, my dad was like, hey, screw all this. We're not doing this no more. So we sold all of our snow equipment. And we got out of that business. Every time we have a snow like this, I always text my dad and go, man, it is nice not having to go out in this. It is nice not having to work this. Like, we were out for dinner for my sister's birthday last year. We went to Cooper's Hawk in West Des Moines. And it had a massive, you know, shit storm. Snow's freaking everywhere. It was so bad that my car couldn't move. And my dad had to come pick me up from my apartment. So we go down to this place. And we're leaving. And the snow's still coming down. And you got people outside shoveling the parking lot and like using the snow blowers and all that stuff. And you got the plow truck moving around. And my dad and I are like, I don't feel bad for them at all. <laughs> I have zero sympathy for that because they chose to do that. They chose that lifestyle. My dad chose it and he swiftly got it. I say swiftly. He got out of it regardless. He got out of it eventually. They chose that lifestyle. The worst job in the world for someone in, in Iowa, because I know like pipe repair in the ocean for those oil rigs, I understand that's probably a way worse job than shoveling snow, especially here in Iowa where we're getting like 10 inches max. We're not getting like lake effect snow like you're getting in Buffalo and stuff like that. No, it's fine. It's doable. It just sucks. It just sucks. Within reason, it is the worst job imaginable. <laughs> and I, you're talking to somebody that worked on a paving crew. Like I've done landscaping. I've done the paving crew. I've painted houses. Like, I've done all the not fun jobs out there. I worked high V, and high V sucked. 
I hated working at Hy-Vee. I would rather work on the paving crew than work at Hy-Vee. And the funniest part about the paving crew, I wasn't technically allowed to be there because I was 16. You have to be 18 to even be allowed around the equipment. And I'm 16 working on a freaking paving crew. <laughs> it was my second ever job. First one was painting houses. And then this rain came and it wouldn't stop raining for a while. So my dad was like, well, you're not working, so I'll get you somewhere else. And he stuck my ass on a paving crew. <laughs> like, I've worked some not fun jobs in the past. And shoveling snow is by far the worst. It makes you question literally everything about your life. But again, thankfully, thankfully, we're here in Iowa. And again, not somewhere apart next to the Great Lakes or something like that, where they get the lake effect snow. Like, last year, or the Bills had to play a game in freaking Detroit. Because the lake effect snow pretty much shut everything down. And that was going to be the Bills versus the Browns. It was Bills versus Browns in the in Buffalo last year. And we were actually going to go to that game. And I was excited because I've always wanted to go to a real snow game. In Buffalo, you're going to get snow games. You're going to get a freaking snow game. But, you know, everything got shut down. The highways were all shut down leading up to Buffalo. So they had to fly out and go to Detroit. And they had to play there the next week for Thanksgiving as well. But the first time was technically a home game. Now, we did get our snow game the very next week against the Miami Dolphins, or not the very next week, but a few weeks later against the Miami Dolphins, and the Bills ended up clinching the playoff spot that game, which was a very fun game. Snow everywhere. My dad got rear-ended when we were leaving the stadium, so that was made, made the trip even better. But, good Lord, snow sucks. <laughs> if you like snow, if you like snow, go sign up to work for a plow crew. Go do that. Go sign up for that. But, speaking of the Bills, good Frickin' Lord. Four straight years division title. Fourth year in a row, the Bills have been crowned champions of the AFC East. When they were sitting <laughs> at 6-6, six and six, there was zero chance in hell that the Bills were going to go on and win the division. There were some people that even said there was a 0% chance that the Bills were even making the playoffs, let alone win the division. And yet, here we are. On January 9th, year of our Lord, 2024, and the Bills are division champions. Good Lord. They are the number two seed in the AFC. If all things go right, the Bills will have at least two home playoff games. If things go right, of course. Knock on wood. I'm not trying to jinx anything. You know, that would be the last thing I want to do is jinx my own team. But good Lord. What a stressful-ass season this was. Good freaking God. I, this season was so weird on so many different levels, on an insane amount of different levels. Like, you have the first game of the year. Let's just go week by week of what happened in this Buffalo Bills season. Like, you got, you got the freaking Bills losing the Jets. You got Josh Allen turning the ball over not once, not twice, not three times, but four times against the New York Jets with Jordan Whitehead getting three interceptions himself. Josh Allen basically gave him his extension or his bonus before the second game even started. Like, that, usually get that the last week of the regular season. Like, Chris Jones got it against the Chargers. Jadavian Clowney got it this weekend when the Ravens played the, the, the who'd they play? The Steelers. Like, you get that at that point. You don't get it week one. <laughs> you don't get your incentives like that. It rarely happens. We went scorched earth after that. Bills lost that game. Punt returned to win the game. Terrible game. Absolutely horrific game. The Jets were begging the Bills to beat them. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt after four freaking plays. 
They were lining up in 13 personnel. They were not trying to win, and the Jets still managed to get the dub in that game. And you go to the next week, the Raiders, one of the most predictable outcomes of the season to date. The Bills absolutely beating the piss out of the Raiders. There was a 0% chance the Bills were going to lose this game. A 0% chance. A Josh Allen in this game, following his three-interception game, four-turnover game, followed it up with 274 yards passing with three touchdowns in the game. Had six incompletions as well, went 31 to 37. Gabe Davis, 92 yards and a touchdown. There's question marks if Gabe Davis will be available this week. We'll have to wait and see on that. Haven't seen anything confirmed or denying that. Then the next week, the Commanders, defensive masterpiece. Terrell Bernard, awesome game. AJ Beneza, awesome game. Josh Allen did a fake high five with one of the fans in the stands from the Commanders fans. <laughs> what a bar that was. Sam Howell, four interceptions in that game. And then the next week, the Dolphins, the freaking Miami Dolphins, the team that just dropped 70 on the Denver Broncos the week prior, won 70 to 20. They won by 50 freaking points. The Bills go out and win 48 to 20, which I think that game kind of gets forgotten about because it was so early in the season. Like everybody talked about Lamar Jackson's dominating game against the Miami Dolphins. Josh Allen had five touchdowns against the Miami Dolphins as well this year. He also had 320 yards passing with four incompletions. <laughs> like, we, we've been here, done that with Miami Dolphins. And we'll get to the one that happened this past week here in a little bit. But dominated the Dolphins. Even hit him with one of the emojis, like the question emoji, with the, the guy with the hand on his chin. Josh, a touchdown celebration. The Dolphins were underdogs that game after dropping 70. The Bills beat the shit out of them. Like, at that point, you're like, okay, the Jets game was a freaking fluke. The Jets, for whatever reason, play the Bills really tough every single time. Josh Allen's quote-unquote kryptonite game is against the New York Jets. At least that's what it feels like. He doesn't usually seem to have good games against the New York Jets starting the season off with Aaron Rodgers, their newfound motivation for the Jets going into the season. Bills, quote-unquote, on a downturn this year. It was all a recipe for the Jets to go out and win, and we went scorched earth on the Logan Blackman show after that game. That game was terrible. It was actually the last show <laughs> we recorded downstairs in the basement. But you have that game. So you have three games in a row following the Jets game where the Bills kick the shit out of their opponents. Raiders, Commanders, and Dolphins dominating performances. You lose the Jaguars. You lose Matt Milano for the season. Broken leg. You lose Daquan Jones for a little bit. Big time injuries. Oh, you lose Tredavious White against Miami Dolphins. That sucked. You got the game in London. The NFL was doing their quote-unquote experiment trying to figure out what times, like when people got there, how it would affect each team. Didn't matter. Bills lost that game. Bills lost that game. The Jaguars tried their best to lose. Trevor Lawrence, I think, turned the ball over three times in that game, two or three times. Like, they were asking the Bills to win that game. But they didn't. The Bills ended up losing. Then you got the Giants game. Following that, 14-9, <laughs> Tyrod Taylor. Giants, Justin Pugh, straight off the couch. Like his Sunday night football intro said, straight off the couch. 14-9. You beat the New York Giants. Both halves ended with the Giants having the ball at the goal line. If Tyrod Taylor wasn't a double agent at halftime, <laughs> who knows what happens. 14-9, almost lose the New York Giants on Sunday Night Football. Then you lose, you come back the next week. Like, okay, the Giants game, eh, struggle, whatever. Patriots, this team stinks. This team is brutal. This is one of the worst teams in the league. Matt Jones has benched, I think, two times up to that point in the season. They just got beat 34-0 by the New Orleans Saints. They have not won a game at home once. This season. Because I think their first game was against the Jets on the road. If I remember correctly. Yeah, they won in New Jersey. So the game, the Bills are like, hey, this is a get right game. 
is the Patriots, which is insane to think about given what the Patriots were my entire life growing up. It's a get-right game. Ed Oliver, not playing. I'm sure they were like, hey, he's not too badly injured, but this is a game where it's the Patriots. It's a game they should be able to skate through, and that's what everybody thought. The Bills were like a 15-point favorite going into this game. First play of the game, Josh Allen interception. First play of the game. First play of the game for both Bills-Patriots games sucked ass for the Bills, but we'll get to the second one here in a little bit. Interception, first play of the game. 29 points the Patriots scored. Most of that point in the season. Game-winning drive. Another game where Josh Allen, this was the first time this year where Josh Allen left the field with the lead. Defense gave up an insane drive. Started off by, I think it was Stevenson's screen pass where they took away an illegal man downfield penalty. They pulled it. Sucked. Then you got the Buccaneers game. Turns out the Buccaneers were actually a pretty good team, but at the time, it did not feel like that. So another game. The Bills should have won fairly easily, and it was stressful. Very stressful game. Turns out the Buccaneers were a playoff team. I don't think a lot of people were expecting that at that point in the season. Then you got the Bengals game. Sunday night football. Or Monday night or Sunday night. I can't remember. But you got the whole intentional grounding thing. That stupid-ass penalty. You got the taunting penalty. (laughs) Like, that game was infuriating on so many different levels. You lose that game. Sucked in that game. Broncos game. 24-22. 12 men penalty keeps you from winning this game. Will Lutz missed a field goal. 12 men penalty. 12 men on the field penalty. Makes a kick it again. And he makes it. Ken Dorsey is fired. After that game... That was on a Monday. That was a Monday night game. I was livid. I went upstairs. So my dad and I were in the basement. I went upstairs, talked to my mom a little bit after the game. And I just go scorched earth on everybody. Earth. Scorched earth on everybody. I'm done at that point. I remember texting my friends after that game. The first domino has fallen with Ken Dorsey getting fired. That was our, the next day on Tuesday. If I recorded that show after the game... It would have been a completely different mindset than it was when I recorded the show. Because when I recorded it, it was Tuesday evening. Ken Dorsey got fired Tuesday morning. So I had enough time to like reflect on everything. And I got all my my like insane anger out on Sunday. Or Monday, sorry. Got all my insane anger out Sunday. But that was terrible. That game was just terrible all around. Russell Wilson, I think, threw the ball like 30 times at less than 200 yards passing, if I remember correctly. Like, it was a game the Bills should have dominated because the Broncos, though they had some moments this year, are not a good football team. They had some moments, sure. But for a team like the Bills, who apparently have Super Bowl aspirations, they should not be losing. They beat the team that beat that team by 70 by 28 points. So what should they do to the Broncos at home, no less? Quentin Sun had an insane touchdown grab in that game. Gabe Davis, insane drop that went right through his hands and into the arms of the defender. Terrible game. Ken Dorsey's fired. They have a bye week. Wait, no, they don't. They got the Jets game and then the bye week, right? If I remember correctly. Or is it bye week then Jets game? So that was on the 19th. When was the Eagles game? I think the Eagles game was after the bye week, right? No? So the Jets game was the bye week. That's what it looks like anyways. Now, the Eagles game was a bye week. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But you have the Jets game. Joe Brady takes over as offensive coordinator. They kick the shit 
are the New York Jets. And that game, that game, I remember sitting, doing this show, standing right where I'm standing right now, and saying, if they beat the, t- if they play like that every game, they can beat anybody. They can beat anybody. I understand it's the Jets. I understand that. But the way they looked the first time they played the Jets versus the second time they played the Jets, it was a completely different team. Completely different team. Completely different mindset. Completely different game plan. Clear Shakir was getting involved. Ty Johnson was getting involved. Like It was just a very fun game. Joe Brady was not afraid to establish the run, which is something I've been begging for. Take a little bit of the pressure off Josh Allen without taking him completely out of the run game, which is exactly what Ken Dorsey was doing. He wasn't establishing the run, but he was telling Josh Allen not to run. Like James Cook against the Jaguars had like negative four rushing yards. James Cook was, I think, second in the league for running backs in regards to total yards this year. Or at least he's one of two running backs in the league this year that has over 400 receiving yards, the other one being obviously Christian McCaffrey. Plus the 1,000 yards rushing that or 1,100 yards rushing that he had. He had one game with negative four yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars, or negative five. Somewhere stupid like that. They couldn't establish anything. So that was the game, one of the games where you're like, wow, they could really get something going. Then you play the Eagles. Fresh off a game against the Jets, Eagles at this time were viewed a little bit differently than what they're viewed right now. The Bills go into Philly, should have beaten the Eagles by double digits, and I'm not being hyperbolic or insane or exaggeratory when I say that. The Bills should have beaten the shit out of the Philadelphia Eagles that day. Josh Allen in that game had 339 yards passing with 81 yards rushing. They should have killed the Eagles. And he had the intentional grounding penalty, which was stupid. Josh Allen leads the lead, leads, leaves the field twice with the lead. In over the end of regulation and in overtime. Twice with the lead. Defense chokes it away. Twice. Why? Broncos game, same thing. Russell Wilson throws a pass interference ball, a behind pass to get a pass interference call. I think it was on Taron Johnson. Leaves the game with a lead there as well. And the Eagles game, losing in overtime. And I get sick and tired of seeing the Bills haven't won in overtime since the whole the Bill, the NFL changed the overtime rules. Well, dipshit, it's for playoffs only. They ain't changed the overtime rules in the regular in regular season. And either way, both teams got the ball. And secondly, the Bills should have won because the defense could have just stopped the Eagles twice. One, you might not even need it overtime. And two, you could have just won in overtime. And then the next games after that, after the bye week. The toughest stretch in the league. Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, whatever. Dolphins. At Kansas City, at Miami. Beat the Chiefs, 2017. Shout out to Kadarius Toney. Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame career still in question. Cowboys game. James Cook game. Beat the shit out of the Cowboys. You should have done that to the other AFC, NFC East team you played two weeks ago. You should have done that to them. Same exact outcome in that game should have been what they did to the Eagles. 31-10, James Cook. Dominating game. Over 200 yards of offense for James Cook. Josh Allen completed seven passes in this game. <laughs> it was a beautiful game. And the best part about it was... It wasn't the game plan to do that, but situations change. 
And you want, what was my biggest gripe with Ken Dorsey the entire time? Didn't matter if they were winning or losing, the game plan stayed the same. There was never any in-game adjustments. My biggest issue from last season was when the Bills had the lead, they kept throwing the ball. They kept trying to score every single play. And what did I compare it to? The run-and-shoot offense of the Houston Oilers back in the 80s and 90s. When you run the run-and-shoot offense, you're not running the ball. The Bills had zero semblance of a running att- rushing attack. Josh Allen was the rushing attack. I wanted somebody to come in and be a guy that they could say, hey, Josh, step back a little bit. We got someone to take the pressure off you for some portions of the game. They didn't have that. They haven't had that the entire time Josh Allen was in Buffalo. They had LaShawn McCoy's first year there, sure, but the O-line was so bad, Shady couldn't do anything. I remember before the season started, my dad said LaShawn McCoy will earn every yard he gets. Because that's how bad the offensive line was. After Josh Allen's rookie year, none of those guys were stars in the NFL apart from Deion Dawkins, who's still on the Bills, who's left tackle at that time too. Jordan Mills, John Miller, Russell Bodin, or Ryan Groy, and Vlad Dukase. From right to le- right tackle to left guard, that is one of the worst off the lines in league history. Worst in league history. I'm not again, that off the line was brutal. And this year, the Bills off the line has been awesome. I have bitched and moaned about the Bills rushing attack. They have James Cook. Having an outlet in the pass game, James Cook's there. Another option. Past Stephon Diggs, a reliable one. Dalton Kincaid, rookie, awesome pick. James Cook and Dalton Kincaid have been awesome this year. If Dalton Kincaid was used like Sam Laporta, we might be talking about who's better between the two. Right now it's Sam Laporta. I'm not even going to say anything about that. I have no problem with that because Sam Laporta's an Iowan, so I don't care. Because the Bills, it was a similar situation to what James Cook had last year. James Cook was clearly better than Devin Singletary, but the Bills have loyalties. I understand loyalties to a fault at some points. The Bills never gave away Devin Singletary's carries. It was just Devin Singletary, and that's it. James Cook got some carries later in the year, but nothing established anything until they let him go. Duncan Cade had Dawson Knox to work with, who's on a big contract. So it was kind of like, when does he break through? Duncan Cade is three times the player Dawson Knox is. I like Dawson Knox a lot. But Dalton Kincaid is a lot better than Dawson Knox. But it takes a little bit for the Bills to see that. And it took Dawson Knox's injury for Dalton Kincaid to finally staple himself as the number one tight end in the Bills offense. Because they were just going to keep giving it to Dawson Knox. And Josh and Dawson Knox are friends too, so that doesn't help anything. But that Cowboys game was beautiful. (laughs) That was beautiful. Everything about it was beautiful. Chargers game, following week, trap game. New head coach, interim head coach, new quarterback, new D coordinator, everything. Yeah, uh, typical trap game. The Bills had zero scouting report on the Chargers. The last time, the only game they could scout Easton Stick for was the Raiders game where they lost 63-21. What are you scouting from that? You can't get any information from that game. You're coming off a massive win, interim head coach, new quarterback, new D coordinator trap game obvious trap game the Chargers are at a point where they're technically they were technically still alive at that point but you know what is actually going to happen they lost the Bills out of the playoffs stressful game but not like I say stressful I wasn't actually worried until James Cook fumbled 
that was when I started to get like, eh. But the entire time, even when the Chargers were winning at certain points, I never was like, oh, the Bills might lose this game. James Cook fumble. <laughs> that's where I was like, ugh, that's not great. That's not ideal. In the Patriots game last week, like we talked about in the first game, pick, start the game, kick, return, touchdown, start the game. Terrible way to start. But similar-ish situation there. I wasn't insanely nervous about this game. Bailey Zappi was trying to have himself in the Nathan Peterman quarter. But only half. He had three interceptions in the first quarter, I believe. No, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. He had three turnovers in the first quarter, two interceptions, one fumble, and then he got the pick six. But he tried his hardest. Nobody really had a great game in that game. wasn't the greatest game, but the Bills receivers were dropping literally everything. And then the last game, Miami Dolphins. 21-14. What do we always say? There are two games a year Josh Allen wakes up for. Those games are against the Miami Dolphins and games against Jalen Ramsey. Conveniently, Jalen Ramsey plays for the Dolphins. Jalen Ramsey did not play in the last time the Bills played the Dolphins. He was hurt. Or he got hurt in the preseason. Josh Allen in this game, 359 yards passing with 67 yards rushing. In total, 400 and I believe 26 yards of total offense with eight incompletions, two touchdowns. Didn't have a rushing touchdown in this game. Back-to-back games without two touchdowns. Without a passing and rushing touchdown. He had two rushing touchdowns last week against the Patriots. He had two passing touchdowns this week. Zero rushing touchdowns this week. Zero passing touchdowns against the Patriots. Sure, two interceptions. Whatever. Don't care. I, I've said this before. At this point, it doesn't really bother me. If we want, if I want Josh Allen to play like Josh Allen, I've got to accept the turnovers. And even at that point, like I talked about this before, we talked about uh, Mahomes versus Josh Allen. Before this game, and Mahomes didn't play on Sunday, he rested, all the starters pretty much rested for the Chargers, except for Chris Jones. And weirdly, like Creed Humphrey and Joe Tooney and Jawan Taylor, which I don't know what they were. Like Creed Humphrey was playing right guard. Like if you're going to have your center there, why is he not playing center? Joe Tooney <laughs> was playing left tackle. Juwan Taylor was playing left tackle. Like, what is the point? Just play them in their natural positions then. Makes zero sense. Why are they even out there then? Risking an injury. And Creed Humphrey almost got hurt. But Mahomes didn't play that game. Before last week, the touchdowns were the exact same. Josh had two more interceptions. Two more interceptions with just as many passing touchdowns. Total touchdowns not even close. <laughs> Josh Allen had 15 more total touchdowns because Mahomes had zero and still has zero rushing touchdowns on the season. Like the turnovers I'll take. The, the second interception was one where he tried to force the end zone because it was fourth down. Tried to make a play. Shouldn't have done it. Gabe Davis fell over. Not a great play. So that first one, miscommunication, which has been a common theme between Josh Allen and Gabe Davis this year and Stephon Diggs for the latter parts of the season. But Steph's play, Steph had a good game on Sunday. Steph had a good game Sunday. He's made some big catches in these games too. I don't want to make it sound like Stephon Diggs has been useless. He hasn't been he hasn't been Stephon Diggs to Stephon Diggs level, but he's been there. It's not like Von Miller, where he's been anonymous pretty much the entire season. Stephon Diggs' worst year in Buffalo was this year, though. Should have had a pass interference call, the play before the first interception. That was a blitz coming. Cover zero blitz. Josh Allen dropped back, just forced it. Uh Gabe Davis ran inside. Josh threw it up the seam and got picked off by Eli Apple, of all people. 
Two interceptions, first two drives of the game. This is another game where the Bills should have absolutely beat the shit out of them. Same with the Eagles game. Another game like that. This game was not close. This game was not close. And why I, I, I we bring up Stephon Diggs. Tyreek Hill left the game injured. He went to the locker room before, right after Tua's pick. or Like, right after. Why does no one else get talked about apart from Stephon Diggs in regards to being a quote-unquote diva? Travis Kelsey slams his helmet on the sideline numerous times this season. We're still mad at Diggs for slamming a, a Microsoft Surface against the Jaguars. Tyreek Hill walks off the field after Tua Toza interception, game-sealing interception. No one said anything about Tyreek Hill doing that. But it's just Stephon Diggs. And you could say, well, Logan, Stephon Diggs has a history of doing this. I mean, this is why Ty- Tyreek Hill's not in Kansas City anymore. <laughs> he pitched up a massive fit about playing Kansas City. Got traded to the Dolphins like two days later. Now he's talking about, I want to retire a Dolphin. I want to go to the Hall of Fame as a Dolphin, even though that doesn't do anything in the NFL. Baseball, you do that. You don't do that in the NFL. This game, the Bills just dominated. It, it wasn't close. I don't, I don't care the score said 21-17 or whatever, 21-14. Bills should have won this game by a lot. And the two interceptions Josh threw were not in great succession, but these games against Miami, 426 yards total offense with two touchdowns, with eight incompletions. I'll take the interceptions. I really don't care. I don't care. And Tua, uh, 173 yards passing, two picks, touchdown, game-sealing interception as well. Don't try. I said this after the game. Uh, It was with Brady and my dad after the game. Jared was over as well, but it was with me, me, Brady, and my dad. Don't ever bring up Josh Allen's name and talk about Tua. (laughs) Please don't. Or Purdy. Or Stroud. Or any quarterback you can think of. Rodgers, at this point. Do not talk about Josh Allen with these other quarterbacks. I understand the turnovers. But remember, Matt Stafford won a freaking Super Bowl and got thrown in the Hall of Fame conversation while also leading the league in interceptions. And as we said last time, Josh Allen does not lead the league in turnovers. Because that's Sam Howell. And Trevor Lawrence is also up there. But Trevor Lawrence missed last week or two weeks ago, however long ago that was. Threw a couple very bad interceptions last week. Shout out Titans as well, but we'll talk about them in a little bit. The only quarterback when you talk about Josh Allen should only be Patrick Mahomes. You can call me biased, I don't care. Do not, you're being disrespectful at this point. 44 touchdowns. 44. Did you hear that right? Did you hear that right? 44 touchdowns. The next closest two have 38. Josh Allen has six more touchdowns than everybody else in the NFL. And that's not even including the AFC. That's just the NFC guys. The other two guys are Dak and Jalen Hurts. I don't even know where the next closest AFC guy is. I don't. Every list I see, it has all NFC quarterbacks. I never see one with AFC quarterback on there. Josh Allen has 44 touchdowns. Mahomes is 27 this year. And I'm not sitting here and going like, hey, overall, Josh Allen's better than Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying that. But for this year, come on. The Bills went from 6-6 six and six and should have had a way better record. The only game I will sit here and say Josh Allen's at fault for is the Jets game. 
He played like ass in that game. Four turnovers directly turned into anti-points for the Bills and points for the Jets. The Eagles game, he left the game with the lead. Twice. Broncos game, left the game with the lead. Patriots game, left the game with the lead. That's just three games right there. The Bills could have been so much better this year. They fired their offensive coordinator and Ken Dorsey right after the Broncos game. You fired your offensive coordinator in the middle of the season and you still don't dip. These interceptions that Josh throws that you could say, oh, he's a terrible quarterback because he's throwing all these interceptions. The quarterbacks that have thrown the same number of interceptions are around there have dipped a lot. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence's confidence is gone. Sam Howell's confidence is gone. Josh Allen does not, <laughs> for one thing Josh Allen does not lack is confidence. Because guess what? He'll throw a pick and he'll throw that exact same play the very next time he's on the field. He does not care. Because in his mind, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. He gets in his own mind sometimes. He gets like, oh, I'm the biggest guy in the league at quarterback. I can stiff arm D lineman. I'm the strongest arm in the league. I can get this ball anywhere. And sure, I'll get him into trouble sometimes. But I'll take it. I will take it. I don't care what quarterback you throw at me. Do not dare throw Brock Purdy at me and say Brock Purdy's the MVP of the league. Do not say that. <laughs> this is then we're just really really just saying it's the starting quarterback for the best team in the league, which is not even Purdy. That'd be Lamar. And if you're giving it to Lamar, his stats aren't even close. <laughs> not even close. I respect Lamar. I love Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, my second favorite quarterback in the NFL. But again, this year, come on, man. They're 13-4, and and Lamar's had a very good season. But MVP? MVP Lamar Jackson. I understand, like, Gus Edwards gets a lot of those carries in the red zone and stuff like that. But as we did a couple weeks ago, you can add those to Lamar's passing touchdowns. He still has got less, like, six less passing total touchdowns than Josh does. 24 passing touchdowns this year with five rushing touchdowns. A whopping 29 touchdowns. He doesn't even have 30 touchdowns this year. And you could say, well, Logan, he sat out the last week of the game, regular season. I don't care. MVP voters don't care. (laughs) There are multiple games this season where Lamar had less than two touchdowns. And the Ravens are 14-3 and or 13-4, and whatever their record is. I think Lamar is vastly important to what the Ravens do. I've said this a thousand times in the show, dating back years, that Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are asked to do more for their teams than every other quarterback in the NFL. By a lot. But come on. Come on, man. Because you want to throw that Dolphins game at me for Lamar. Again, Josh did that week four after they were coming off their high of beating the Broncos by 50. And you could say, well, Logan, they were going to dip back down to earth after that. You said the same thing when the Bills beat the Cowboys. They're going to dip down to earth against the Chargers. Yeah, guess what? <laughs> the Bills still won. Dolphins got beat by 28 points. By a team who lost the New York Jets, who gave up five touchdowns to a guy who had four intercepts, four turnovers week one. 
And then Josh ended up having, again, over 420 yards of total offense against the Dolphins this time around. The Bills had zero chance in hell at make, not little making the playoffs, but winning the freaking division. And you're going to try and sit there and tell me that this guy's not the MVP of the league? Really? You can call me biased all you want. I really don't care. I really do not care. Like, every single analytical metric even says Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL. Pro Football Focus says Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL. They're talking about giving Lamar Jackson the MVP and not naming him first-team All-Pro. That's an MVP? They're really having conversations about this. How are you not first-team All-Pro if you're not... And if you're, how are you an MVP if you're not first team All Pro? You're not the best in your own position. You're not even the best player. Then how are you the best player in the league? Brock Purdy. I just always include offense for Brock Purdy. Let's not even talk about the players on defense. The 49ers are the first team in NFL history to have four players on their offense have over a thousand yards of total, y- total yards. And that's McCaffrey, Ayuk, Debo, and George Kittle. Debo's the only one that has less than 1,000 yards receiving, but he makes up for that in rushing yards. Like, don't sit there and tell me (laughs) that Brock Purdy is the most valuable player in the league. He's not even the most valuable player on his own team. So there, we got a guy that we're arguing might not even make first-team All-Pro, and he's going to be MVP, and a guy who's not even the most valuable player on his own team is now the most valuable player in the entire league, and then Dak Prescott, who got beat... By 30 points twice this year. And lost to the freaking Cardinals. He lost to the Bills. The Bills, if you look at their record against the best teams in the, world, in the football right now, in football right now, out of the current playoff teams, let's look at the standings right now. Let's look at the standings right now. So we're looking at the playoff standings. Bills not play the Ravens. Bills beat the Chiefs. They beat the Dolphins. And then you go down the NFC. Beat the Dolphins twice, actually. So you can say that one there. So you won three games. You beat the Cowboys. You beat the Bucks. And you lost to the you lost to the Eagles. Out of the playoff teams, the Bills are five and one. And I understand that wins are not a quarterback stat, but that's important to these MVP voters. How are you doing against the best teams in the league? Five and one. Because to the MVP voters, it doesn't matter what I think at this point. To the MVP voters, wins matter because that's the only reason Lamar and Brock Purdy are the top two MVP candidates right now. Because they're the starting quarterbacks for the two best teams in football. And the Bills have one less loss than the Niners. Isn't that crazy? One less loss than the San Francisco 49ers? Good Lord. Bills are a two seed. They were six and six a month ago. And now we're 11 and six, four straight division title. Josh Allen, four straight season with 40 plus touchdowns. Longest streak in NFL history this season of a game with a rushing and passing touchdown. Yeah. Six touchdowns more than the next closest individual for total touchdowns. You cannot tell me. <laughs> So I want to hear other people's arguments for MVP. Because the Lamar argument stops and ends with, do you see how he did against the Dolphins? That's the only game I've ever heard people bring up like these past couple weeks. 
So yeah, we did against the Dolphins. Well, well, he lost to the Steelers too, didn't he? I understand the Steelers are a playoff team and the Bills could lose to the Steelers. But come on. It's all like I'm bringing up multiple games here. Multiple games this year, Lamar Jackson has led less than two touchdowns in a game. Multiple, like six or seven. That come on. Because if you want to just throw the record out there, numbers got to mean something, right? It's not just team record. It's not. <laughs> you can do team record. Unless team record's per 90% of the vote, you could not tell me that Lamar or Purdy are the MVPs of the league. You can't. You can't. I think Lamar is a top three quarterback in the NFL. I mean, I don't think – that doesn't mean I think he's the MVP of the league this year. In general, he's a top three quarterback. MVP of the league this year, no. Did you see how he did against the Dolphins, though? It's the only game I can... <laughs> He had a good game against the Niners. Fair play. Fair play. He's like Josh Allen, though. His best games are always against the Dolphins. Both of them each had a perfect pass rate against the Dolphins this season. Both with Jalen Ramsey being there, too. Jalen Ramsey got cooked by Stephon Diggs early in the game, too, and Josh missed him. Sucked. But, yeah, you can call me biased, but Josh Allen's the best player in the league this year, which should warrant MVP because the Bills are now 11-6 and and a two-seed in the AFC and a fourth straight division title winner. But, you know, Lamar will probably win MVP. That's fine. I like Lamar. I can accept Lamar winning MVP just from a basis I like him, not from a factual reason on why he should win. I can't name a reason why he wins MVP this year, but that you know what? That's fine. I can accept it because I like Lamar. I can't accept Purdy, though. I, Lamar is the best player on the Ravens. He's the reason. He's the main cog in their offense. Purdy's not. I like Purdy. I like the story. I have nothing against the guy. But come on. Let's be real about what MVP actually means. I think we're kind of misconstruing that title. It's not the most valuable player. It is the player, the starting quarterback for the best team in football. That's why the two, <laughs> these two guys are the top two people. And it's funny because Dak is in the running too, somehow still. And the only reason is because they're 12-5. and five. So the starting quarterback for the top three teams in the league record-wise <laughs> are MVP candidates. Okay. All right. Jeez, it's always fun. Yeah, you know where I stand. I'm not gonna back off that, and I'll be, I'll, I'll take it with grace when he doesn't win it. I love to hear the reasonings for why. I love the NFL Writers Association just talking about Lamar this, Lamar that. When again, I, I mean, I've already made my case. I don't need to keep doing that. I like the guy too much to <laughs> to keep hammering him down. Oh my god. Oh my god. Final regular season quarterback grade in efficiency. Josh Allen is first in grade, third in efficiency. But he sucks because he turns the ball over too much, right? Jeez. Jeez, 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 jeez. Josh Allen led a fourth quarter drive that tied or took the lead in four of the Bills' six losses. In no games did he lose a fourth quarter lead or on a turnover. Of four QB candidates for MVP, only one lost a fourth quarter lead due to turnovers. Happened twice against opponents, actually. And that was not Josh, as we just said earlier. It was actually Lammer Jackson, ironically. MVP usually goes to QB with the highest seed in elite production. A one seed has never won an MVP with an efficiency ranking lower than fifth best. Lamar 
finished 2023 ninth in efficiency. Ninth. That's fine. That's fine. Lamar had a good season, but let's sell down here. We'll sell down here. But yeah, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Pro Bowl, stupid. That's whatever. That's been stupid for years now. I think everybody kind of accepts the Pro Bowl, stupid. I mean, Tua made the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I, again, I said I said I could accept Tua because at the time he led the league in passing yards. I could accept it. Like, but it's stupid. It is stupid. Mahomes made the Pro Bowl this year. It's stupid. But Justin Tucker made the Pro Bowl this year. stupid. <laughs> it should be Butker or Dicker. Freaking uh, Buda Baker made the Pro Bowl. It's stupid. Like, there's a lot of stupid things this year in the Pro Bowl, but that's every year. That's every year. But speaking of awards and people getting, quote-unquote, uh, screwed out of awards, uh, I saw a lot less uh, Michael Penix got screwed from the Heisman last night. <laughs> saw a lot of that on uh, last week when Washington beat Texas. I saw a whole hell of a lot less of that when uh, Washington just got their asses kicked by Michigan last night. Uh, that was just a bad game. That was a bad game in general. Very bad game. This dom- Washington just got dominated in the trenches. Final score was Michigan 34, Washington 13. Just dominated. The game was pretty much overboard start. Donovan Edwards went off early. I mean, he had two touchdowns this game. This season, he had three. This was not the year Donovan Edwards was expecting to have, but this is definitely a good time to have your best game of the season, 104 yards and two touchdowns. And Blake Quorum was like, wait, I'm supposed to be the best running back on this team. So Blake Quorum finished with 134 yards and two touchdowns. This game was just dominated in the trenches. I love when people after the, it was just like Florida State would be Florida State would have beaten Bama if they were in the playoff, even though they got beat by sixty points to Georgia. Similar thing that you got beat by twenty one points. Stop trying to act like these penalties, which I saw three of them, actually had an impact on this game. Stop! You lost by twenty one points. Twenty one points. The penalties, though not great. Did not alter the outcome of this game. You got beat up in the trenches. Long and short of it. Absolutely got shit rocked in the trenches. They matched up well against Texas. Matched up very well against Texas. Texas D-line solid, but their secondary is very shit. Or not very shit. That's a little mean to Texas. But not very good. Washington took advantage of that. Ran the ball. It opened up lanes of the pass game. But this game, they just got beat up. That's the long and short of it. They just got beat up. Michael Penix got beat up in this game. This game did not help either McCarthy or Penix's draft stock. Penix was seen as now we're talking about possibly first-round draft pick after the Texas game. Now we're talking about out of the first round again. That's how finicky we are as sports fans. Very finicky. I didn't see a single <laughs> thing that said Michael Penix got screwed out of the Heisman for this game. I didn't see a single thing of that. And it's funny... Because if we're just going to talk about passing stats and the quarterback that got screwed out of the Heisman, Michael Penix, in two more games, because <laughs> Dane Dales didn't play the bowl game, three more games, actually, because he didn't play a conference championship either. In three more games, Michael Penix still has four less passing touchdowns than Jane Daniels. Still. In three more games, he still has three less touchdowns than him. Or three more games, he still has four, more le- four less touchdowns than him, sorry. Jane Daniels had 40 passing touchdowns in 12 games. In 15 games, Michael Penix had 36. With 11 interceptions, Jane Daniels had four. And we're not even, I don't even want to bring up the rushing numbers because that's just not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> it's not, 
not fair in any sense of the word. Like, it's, the Diesman Trophy race should not have been close, and it really wasn't. I mean, what they say? Jane Daniels finished with 70% of the vote or something like that, 75% of the vote? And then after the Texas game, people were freaking out about Penix winning the Heisman, when, again, talking about Texas not very good secondary and the best receiving core in college football. You can argue that with Daniels, too, because Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas, they're good receivers. Definitely don't want to take anything away from Jalen Polk just announced he's going to the draft. I haven't seen anything from Roma Dunze yet. Uh, Malik Neighbors announced he's going to the draft last week. But, yeah, it it wasn't. It shouldn't have been a conversation. But, you know, we fall in love with these stories. It's the same thing to Brock Purdy. Seventh, like, last pick in the draft. Mr. Irrelevant goes from Mr. Irrelevant to now he's on the best team in football. Like, all that great stuff. But you're falling in love more with the story than what your eyes are telling you. Because Penix, I, I think, had a very good game against Texas. Very good game. Probably his best game of the year. But everything leading up to that game post the first Oregon game was bad. It was not very good. I shouldn't say bad. It wasn't very good. I agreed with all the Heisman finalists. I agreed 100% with them. But that latter part of the season, which is the most important part of the season, he did not play very well. He didn't. Like, games against Arizona State. Games against Washington State. He did not play very well. Games against USC, sure. But USC has one of the worst defenses in all of college football. And Dylan Johnson ran for like a gazillion yards in that game too. Well, I like Michael Penix. I like the story. But again, there, it was not a competition. <laughs> it shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been. But that was another conversation of, oh, look at Michael Penix. The Washington Huskies are 14-0. and Jane Daniels 9-3? and Ugh. Sucks. No, Jane Daniels was the better player. The Heisman is a player performance trophy. Sure, it has something to do with with team success, but it's not like Jane Daniels finished two and ten or something, or six and six. It's not like that. They still finished nine and three, and he put up three hundred something yards against Alabama. He had three hundred eighty yards of offense against Alabama. They lost by two touchdowns. Three hundred eighty yards against Bama. Got hurt and they ended up losing the game. Like, it shouldn't have been close. And Penix, he missed some. He missed a lot of throws last night. That pass rush was getting to him hard. And he got hit a lot. He got beat up a lot. On that pick that ultimately sealed the game, the one that Michigan brought all the way back down to, like, the five-yard line, he missed Roma Dunze, of all people, who was going to come across the middle, and he forced to the right side of the field. The Dunze was on the left. Like, it just wasn't a great game. And for McCarthy, it just wasn't – he didn't do, really do have to do a whole lot. Like, I saw people on Twitter, it's like, they don't want J.J. McCarthy to throw the ball, or they don't trust him to throw the ball. Well, no. If if Washington can't stop the run, why do they need to throw the football? Same thing with the Bills versus the Cowboys. If they, if they cannot, for the love of God, stop the run, why would we start passing the ball? That's not winning football. Like, if the game is asking, like, Donovan Edwards, over 100 yards. Blake Corum, over 120 yards. Like, why would we throw the football? <laughs> There's no reason to do that. Like, just to prove that you like J.J. McCarthy? Is that it? Like, what do they need to prove that for? John Jim Harbaugh has said that he's the greatest quarterback in Michigan football history, which you can take that for however you want. McCarthy didn't have a great game. He went 10 of 18, 140 yards. That's not great. He picked up some big games on the ground, but it wasn't a great game from him. But again, the game plan didn't need J.D. McCarthy to throw the football. If your game plan is where, if, you're, if you go into a game, you script the first 10 plays, 
And then Washington cannot, for the love of God, stop Donovan Edwards. Why are you going to switch it up now? That's the same thing we talk about the run and shoot. Why would you start throwing the ball when you're winning? You were up the entire game. Why would they start throwing the ball now? Makes zero sense. Makes absolutely no sense. Michael Penix threw 51 passes in this game for 255 yards with two picks. And he got a touchdown in the game, which was a nice touchdown throw. But this game did not necessarily help either one of their draft stocks. I don't think it did. But again, like we talked about last week's show, in last week's show, J.D. McCarthy, by reasons that a lot of people might not understand, has been viewed by a lot of people as a first-round draft pick because of his ceiling. Like, he's, done, he's not needed to ask, not really asked to do a whole lot at Michigan. So you're trying to envision what he can be. Because you see the arm talent. You see the athleticism. Like the game against Alabama. That was a great game for J.J. McCarthy. He gets a better defense, too. That was a great game for J.J. McCarthy. They needed him to step up. He stepped up. That's a game you look at. Washington, game plan said run. Washington can't stop it, so we're going to run. But when you need your quarterbacks to step up, if he's not asked to do a whole lot early in the game and then you ask him to do something, he better he better step up. It's the job of the quarterback. Step up. Mr. Step up right there. But you see the potential there. And Penix with the injuries, the arm speed, uh, the age. Like, that's not working out for him. So if they won this game against one of the best secondaries in all of college football, if they won this game, then yeah, I could have seen an argument where Michael Penix is not only a top a first-round pick, but a top 15 pick. At this point, the because la- the problem is for a lot of these teams, the last game is the one that matters the most. If they lost to Texas and he put forth the game like he did, that would have been awesome. But the last game people remember is going to be this Michigan game where he did not play very well. And a lot of draft scouts and coaches, GMs, and all that stuff are going to remember that game. So, like, again, the A.J. Terrell pick. I bring this one up all the time because it's the one I always think of when it comes to this. National championship game against Clemson. Or against LSU, sorry. At Cle- against Clemson. He gets burnt a hundred times by Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, who are right now two of the best five receivers in the NFL. So, no problem. <laughs> a lot of people are going to get torched by those guys. But that's the last game we all remember seeing A.J. Terrell play. And he got torched. So when he got drafted 16th overall, I think, by the Atlanta Falcons, people like, ooh, that's a reach and a half right there. Discounting the fact that he had a very good season, but the last game people saw him play, and he was bad. Got torched, but everybody got torched by them. I mean, those were the top two, three. They At that time in 2019 for that LSU team, Chase led the league in it was either Chase led the league in receiving yards and Justin Jefferson was third or Jefferson led the league in nation receiving yards and Chase was third. Either way, the two two of the three leading receivers in the nation in regards to yards were in that game. No one's going to look great in that game. And right now, defender, defenders try to guard him now. They don't look good now. But people remembered that game against Clemson and that was the only game people tend to, tend to bring up with him at that time. Now we look at it like, oh, A.J. Charles is a pretty solid corner. I think that's going to be a little bit of a problem for both these guys. But McCarthy won, so that will help him out a little bit more. And if he was truly seen as a first-round draft pick before this game, and he did make some pretty big throws in this game as well, but if he was seen as a first-round draft pick before this game, I don't necessarily think it hurt exactly. I don't think it helped. I don't think you were sitting here going like, oh, J.J. McCarthy is now a top-ten pick in the draft. I don't think we're doing that, but... 
I don't think we're I think it all depends if Jim Harbaugh goes to the league. I think that kind of wa- wavers on where J.D. McCarthy goes. And this is hypothetically because he might not even declare this year. He could come back. But there's a lot of links to the Raiders with Jim Harbaugh going there. And if he goes to the Raiders, J.D. McCarthy, I would assume, follows him to the Raiders. I mean, Jim Harbaugh has expressed a lot <laughs> that J.D. McCarthy is his favorite quarterback ever, pretty much. Best quarterback in Michigan history. So if Jim Harbaugh goes to the Raiders, which is very likely, it seems like, it seems like the Raiders, Chargers, and Bears are the three teams most likely to land Harbaugh and the Patriots, maybe. Then McCarthy will probably go there. And you look at a team like the Vikings again, who we brought up on Wednesday, or Friday, sorry. Do they go with the quarterback early? Do they go after McCarthy? Maybe maybe we're looking at, like, Daniels falling. Not, not falling, but falling out of that top three. Because... Do the Bears? Are, we know the Commanders are drafting a quarterback. We know that one. We're pretty confident in that. But the Bears and Patriots, do we know what they're doing for, for, for say? Per se. Like, the Patriots could draft a quarterback. They might not also. They got a lot of needs on that roster. I'm not saying they won't draft a quarterback at all. They're going to need to do that. But, but do they do it in the first three picks? Do they take Daniels? Do they take May if he's available? Do they take somehow get Caleb Williams? Do they trade with the Bears? Do the Commanders trade with the Bears and get Caleb Williams? Do the Bears just take Marvin Harrison? Do the Bears take Caleb Williams? Who the hell knows? So if Daniels slips past the Patriots, then you're looking at the Cardinals don't need a – they're not going to draft a quarterback. The Chargers aren't going to draft a quarterback. Giants might, but I don't think they'll draft one in the first round. And then the Titans are at seven and the Falcons are at eight. The Falcons are the next logical spot. The Titans need a tackle. So let's say hypothetically – I mean, they could go another direction, but we're, for this example, let's say this. So let's say the top three picks in the draft go Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison, Olufashanu, Joe Alt, Malik Neighbors. That's your first six picks. So that has two quarterbacks, two receivers, and two tackles in the first six picks. That seventh pick for the Falcon or the Titans, do you draft a Brock Bowers? Do you draft a Roma Dunze? Do you draft a Dallas Turner to help fix the defense? Do you reach on one of the tackles? Who knows? But it would make more sense, in my little brain, if the Titans traded back at that point and drafted a Latham or a Mims or a Fuaga or someone along those lines for the tackles. Like going back and doing that. In come the Vikings, who have been swirling reports around how much they tried to trade up apparently for Anthony Richardson. If they were that committed last year, would they do the same this year? So if Jaden Daniels slips past the Giants... Because I don't think the Chargers would trade back. I don't think the Cardinals would trade back. I don't think the Giants would either. So if the Giants don't trade, if the Giants take neighbors or a Dunze or whoever, if they take a tackle, whatever, Titans trade back with the Vikings, Vikings get Daniels. And then you're looking at, because in my, in my mind, because this is my problem with these drafts, is that let's say the Bears do draft Williams or May or Daniels. They say they go quarterback. The most likely place for J- Justin Fields to go, and I understand this is lazy, but the most likely place for him to go is Atlanta. He's from Georgia, so it would make sense to get a kid from the state to go be the quarterback down there. So if that happens, and the Bears draft a Caleb Williams or Drake May, Jane Daniels either goes to the Giants or he falls back to the Falcons, 
or he goes to the Vikings. That's what makes sense in my mind. I, I'm just spitballing here. Like, I'm literally just thinking about this <laughs> right now. So we'll see if that happens. We'll see. Maybe the Falcons just trade back with the Vikings. I don't know. Maybe the Jets want to take Daniels. I don't know. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? I saw a video of DJ Moore talking to reporters about the Bears said that they're going to draft. They're going to keep Justin. Well, why would they tell him that? It's zero strategy at all. <laughs> the Bears have to hold some sort of value with that pick. They're not just going to tell DJ Moore. If they did, they're bullshitting him. But I think the problem is, as well for Bears fans, is if they keep Eberflus, you got to keep Fields. Because then that starts the whole cycle again that we talked about after the Chiefs game of the Bears getting rid of quarterback, keep, keep hire, um, having a coach, getting a quarterback, firing coach, keeping quarterback, new head coach, get rid of quarterback, new quarterback, to, like that stupid cycle we talk about. That would continue the cycle. And that might be frustrating for a lot of Bears fans out there, but that's the tendency that they like to go with. And it doesn't seem like Eberflus is leaving yet. But I also didn't say, I also thought that about Mike Vrabel as well. Mike Vrabel got fired today. Arthur Smith got fired at midnight after the Bills game. Midnight Eastern time. It was 11 o'clock when Arthur Smith got fired. Like they wasted no time to get Black Monday started. So you got Arthur Smith gone as well. The the terrorist to fun football in Atlanta is now gone. Like you have three top ten skill position players on your roster. And that's Bijan, that's Drake London, that's Kyle Pitts. None of them are used to anywhere near what they should. Like, gotta get a quarterback though. Like he was trying to like like prove he was smarter than everybody else or something. It was a very odd strategy Arthur Smith was implementing every single week. Made zero sense, logistically, or anything. It made zero sense. So you've got the Falcons job available. Chargers, Bears, or no, not Bears. Jeez, uh, uh, Titans, which I think Mike Vrabel's going to go up to New England. Makes the most sense. Like, Belichick's apparently listed as gone, is what we talked about before. A few weeks ago, per that report, which could be complete bullshit. Who knows? But if Vrabel's gone, which what would be funny is that he got fired for tampering. Or he was communicating with another team, so they were like, hey, get the hell out. If you're not committed to the Titans, you're not committed to anybody. Like, get the hell out. Maybe one of those things. Because remember, he was up in New England getting retired, getting honored in the Patriots Hall of Fame. He was sitting with Robert Kraft the entire freaking game. Former Patriot. Bill Belichick disciple. I think in New England's going to either, if Belichick does leave, it'll be either Brable or Gerard Mayo. That's their two. That's their two. Or Josh McDaniels in a perfect world. <laughs> I don't I don't see that one happening. But who knows? Who knows? Good old Josh McDaniels comes back to New England every single time he gets fired. Saw a report today. If Belichick stays, Josh McDaniels will come back. So that'd be kind of funny. But then Ron Rivera got fired from Washington. And what other ones were big? Chargers. Falcons. Commanders. Raiders is available. And Titans now available. I don't know what direction the Titans are going to go. I have zero idea what they're going to do. I have no idea. But, like, I've seen the Ravens D coordinator get linked to a lot of jobs. Obviously, Ben Johnson from the Detroit Lions. Dolphins offs coordinator has been linked. Eric Bieniemy obviously, is going to get linked to a lot of jobs. Jim Harbaugh is going to get linked to a lot of jobs. Like, there's a lot of different people available right now for these head coaching jobs. Kellen Moore, regardless of how good the Chargers offense was this year, he'll get linked with head coaching jobs. Like, there, you could go a lot of different directions this offseason. And, like, 
Eric Bieniemy, they're linking him with Atlanta right now. I saw Ben Johnson getting linked with the Commanders, as well as, what's his name? The Ravens D coordinator has also been linked with the Commanders as well. So there's a lot of different options for these guys. Vrabel, Gerard Mayo will probably go to New England. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Slowick, the Texans offensive coordinator, he'll probably get linked to places as well. So we'll see. We'll see. And there's going to be some rogue one in there. Josh McCown will probably, he'll probably be a head coach somewhere. I mean, he gets linked every offseason for some stupid reason. So he'll probably be a guy in there mentioned in there as well. But Vrabel getting fired today was not on my radar. I really did not see that one coming. But I did say to Brady on Sunday that Vrabel is going to be the next coach of the Patriots. So it makes sense that he gets fired now. <laughs> the the Tuesday after Black Monday. Now we're waiting for Eberfuss to get fired. I don't know whether coach would get fired at this point. I really don't know. Belichick, would he get fired or would he just step down? I don't know. Because Robert Sala's staying. Nathaniel Hackett's staying because Rodgers is, you know, coming back next year. No one in the AFC North getting fired. AFC South, I mean, Vrabel got fired, but that's it. AFC West, I mean, the Raider, Josh McDaniels already got fired. Sean Payton won't get fired. Brandon Staley already got fired. NFC East, Robert Vera already got fired. NFC North, Eberflus might get fired, but that's not the, nothing happened there. NFC South, Arthur Smith got fired. Frank Wright got fired. Carolina, forgot about that job. Ben Johnson go there. I think he's from Carolina. That makes sense. Dennis Allen, wouldn't be shot if he got fired at some point. Down in New Orleans. NFC West, no one got fired there. So, we got some decent openings. We got some decent openings. And uh, the Bears, Commander's jobs, and the Patriots job, if that comes available, and the Bears job, if it comes available, will be very high-value spots because you could shape the future you got the top three pick in the draft. <laughs> you can do a lot of a lot of fixing there. I mean, obviously, the Patriots got a lot of shit to figure out. Patriots are a bad football team. That beat that win against the Bills could keep them away from Drake May or Caleb Williams. That that is beautiful. That is beautiful. The Bills doing the Lord's work. Long run. It looked terrible at the time, but now it's <laughs> long view. Long view there. Oh man. Oh freaking man. This is fun stuff. Gotta love football. But congratulations to Michigan. On win the national championship game, just nothing really to talk about in that game. Just absolutely beat the shit out of Washington physically. Washington just couldn't match up physically with them, which is kind of surprising given how good Washington's O line's been all year. But Michigan's just a different breed. Fifteen and zero. I saw somebody. I mean, to be fair, it was a JJ McCarthy fan account on Twitter. They said Michigan was the greatest fifteen and zero team of all time. No, that not even close to being one of the greatest teams of all time. Fifteen and zero is impressive, yes, but. The grand scheme of college football? No. No, 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 no. The LSU Tigers 2019 is the best team I've ever seen. And I know a lot of people bring up the 01 Hurricanes as well. A lot of NFL players on that Hurricanes team. But that 19 LSU team was just stupid. I, that's unfair. Like, how do you have a quarterback break every single passing record, every single passing record, and also have a 1,600-yard running back? That makes zero sense. That makes zero sense. <laughs> I don't understand how that works. 5,000 passing yards. Every record obliterated passing-wise. Every single one of them. <laughs> we got a 1,600-yard running back. Like usually teams like this have about a 500-yard running back, but no. Not LSU. I mean, that's what Clyde Rosler now is, is now. But at the time, he was seen as a pretty good running back. Now it's kind of viewed a little bit differently. Oh my goodness. I don't really know if I have a lot more to really discuss today. Do I have anything else 
I thought I had something. Oh, this is a little, this is a little tidbit thing. I was going to do a name every college team quiz, but I don't really want to do that today. I did see this. This could be very interesting. So, obviously, the Lions and Rams are playing, so it's Matt Stafford, Jerry Goff, Bull. And I saw a clip after the Bills game. That was a Chargers page. They post a picture of Sean McVay with Jared Goff and Mike McDaniels with Tua. If you don't understand where I'm going with this, let me walk you through it. Sean McVay had Jared Goff his first however many years as a head coach, and they traded him for Matt Stafford. And you can make claims on who's been better. I know the Rams obviously got a Super Bowl out of that, but you can make a stake for Jared Goff, especially given the situation he was going into. The fact that he's doing this good, yeah, you can make a claim for Jared Goff. But Tua is not Mike McDaniel's guy. Much like Jared Goff, who got Sean McVay his second year in the league, Tua got Mike McDaniel's his second year in the league. And the Dolphins' offense is not, I don't want to say limited, but it's not up to what it could be, per se. Tua does lack the arm strength for a lot of these throws. That's why they run a lot of crossing routes. And a lot of jet sweeps and stuff like that. They, they, they ran the same stupid counterplay like a hundred times in the first half. It pissed me off. <laughs> but does Mike McDaniels try to get a trade? Do the Dolphins try to trade for a quarterback out there? Who knows? Who the hell really knows? Just interesting to see how everything can work out here. So if we were if we were playing that game, where would who would they trade for? Who would the Dolphins trade for? Instead of having your boy, Tua. Look around the league. You're looking at, like, maybe Justin Herbert. Just swap picks. Fifth and sixth pick. Maybe you do that one. Give a Chargers a few extra picks as well. Chargers are in cap hell. They're in absolute cap hell. So, wouldn't surprise me. Would not surprise me to swap picks. And piss off Brian Flores a little bit because he wanted Herbert originally. <laughs> I don't know. Could be very interesting. I didn't think about that until I saw the picture. And it's like, ooh, interesting, interesting. But I think that's all I'm going to do today. I don't, I I could go a little bit further, but I just, let's just, let's just end it here. Let's just end it here. Uh, hope you enjoyed. If you didn't, I sincerely apologize. It'll probably be better next time. And yeah, make sure to follow Logan Blackman Show in every single form of social media as we brought up before. Make sure to check out loganblackmanshow.com. Make sure again to follow subscribe, whatever, and like the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a rating under five stars of both. I've been Logan Blackman. I will see you all later. Peace.